Hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden, Better Gardening podcast with me, Rod Whiting, and our gardening guru, John Sterland. Uh, this week, John and I are hooked up virtually to a riverboat on the Oxford Canal, where we meet up with this week's guest, Annabel Padwick, founder of Life at Number 27. We talk about Annabel's special interest in the importance of gardening to our mental health and well-being, her passion for growing food, and pick up a few useful tips along the way. And very entertaining she is too. It's like manure delivery day. I got way too excited for manure delivery day. <laughs> <laughs> You can't tell if someone could be smiling on the surface and appear really confident but actually underneath they could be cracking and everything is going totally wrong and it is just their way of surviving but if you've got really heavy clay soil and it's like the idea of digging it sounds horrendous is plant potatoes they're brilliant because they break up all the soil without you having to do anything as they grow you do get the odd person that just puts their face right up to the window <laughs> <laughs> A very warm welcome to Annabelle Padwick, professional gardener, well-being practitioner and founder of Life at Number 27. Hello, Annabelle. Hello. You're on a boat, aren't you? Yes, (laughs) How romantic. (laughs) It is for the first couple of months and then after that it's just hard work. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Whereabouts are you moored up or are are we not allowed to... uh, On the Oxford Canal. Oh, yeah. the Oxford Canal. Oh, lovely. Annabelle, t- tell us a little bit about um, life at number 27, because people perhaps looking at that uh, on on our cue sheet and thinking, life at 27, what's that then? What What is it? How did it come about? So originally it started in 2015 as a blog. Now, as of 2019, it is a community interest company. Um, so we're totally non-profit and we provide gardening and well-being therapy support for children and adults across Oxfordshire and Northamptonshire currently that are struggling with mental health, isolation, low confidence, low self-esteem. Um, and just giving them access to a safe outdoor space where they can learn how to grow their own food, um, but also have a safe space where they can come and talk and get support for their mental health. So that's what it is. As I said, it originally started as a blog around my own mental health journey and my own allotment. And 27 was the number of my original plot and how old I was when I started this whole journey. Tell us about that story, because it's it, it, it mm. is quite a story, isn't it? It is quite quite a story. <laughs> well, I got my first allotment when I was 27. And I remember about six months before that, I'd started growing my own food. And it was I'd grown stuff a little bit as a child. So my grandparents were massively into gardening. Um, my dad had an allotment for a bit. So there was aspects there as a child. And then through my adult like teenage years, I wasn't there at all, wasn't interested in it at all, or it didn't happen. And then as I got older again and I was struggling with my mental health, although I always have struggled, I think, as, as much as I remember as a child, with low confidence, low self-esteem, struggling to fit in. So I had severe anxiety to the point when I was at 21, when I couldn't leave the front door. I tried going to my GP before and they offered me medication, which at that point I didn't want. Um, they mm. also offered me group CBT therapy, which is like a talking therapy, basically. And so I tried that and it really didn't work for me. After three sessions, I was like, you know, this isn't for me. I just found I ended up trying to help other people, which obviously isn't the aim of it really is to help is to get help myself. So I stopped that and ended up going through this thing of just basically forcing myself through situations with no real support in terms of official GP support type thing. But yeah, luckily, I 
sort of fell into it at 26 and thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. And I'll always remember going to my local garden centre at the time and there was a guy called Andy who I will thank forevermore. And I walked in there and just said, I want to learn how to grow my own food again. I don't really know what I'm doing. And he said, okay, all you need is three things. And he took me round and was like, right, you need some compost. Showed me which compost to pick. Because I think even when you first start, the amount of different bags of compost with all different names is can be really overwhelming. So he just went, right, you need this bag of compost. He took me to the most cheapest basic pots that were 30 centimetre pots that I still have now and I recommend to everybody. And then took me to the seeds and went, pick what you like to eat and just kept it really simple. Uh, and then just said, if you've got any questions at any point, come back, ask me uh, and I'll help. So that was it. I went off, sowed a lot, learned a lot of lessons very quick, obviously. And then went back in and was speaking to him pretty much every day and going, Andy, can I ask you another question? <laughs> Andy, can I ask you another question? And then that was it. And then six months later, I was very fortunate and got offered a very, very overgrown full-size allotment, but took it on as a challenge and thought I'd give it a go. And so still at that point, I was still going through a lot of, lot of my own struggles at home. Home was not a very nice place at all at that point. So my allotment became sort of my safe escape as well. And I found with my allotment, even when everything else was going wrong or it was really, really challenging, I'd go up there and I couldn't help but be proud of myself because there'd be things that were growing that I was like, mm. oh, I grew that from seed. And seeds look like nothing, which I think is the, the thing that I find is most magical to me. And some people say it's not magic, it's nature and stuff. But to me, it is magic. The fact that you mm. can sow these tiny seeds, which look like nothing. And then with a bit of like care, the same care that we need as humans, they can grow into the most incredible pumpkins or potatoes or carrots or whatever. And I just think it's incredible. And yeah, you watch it around and I'm thinking, yeah, I grew that, I grew that. And yeah, I don't feel so bad about myself when I'm up here. Was it was it the whole thing or was it the plants and feeling the plants and working with the plants or the compost. I mean, there's one I love just having a pile of compost on a bench and just putting my fingers through it. We we used to stand there chatting and we'd, we'd be doing this because a horticulturist does do that, a gardener does. Or was it just the general aspect of growing? I think I got very much, not even so in the seat, of it germinating. Yes, and seeing that 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 little thing germinate and pop up, and it was just that <laughs> bit that I thought was the most incredible thing. And ever since, I haven't stopped sewing just because I think it's amazing that it just and then all of a sudden it just keeps growing and growing. But then also, it is those sensory benefits, as you said, of just getting my hands in the soil and the smell of plants. And I always think if I am feeling a bit down or a bit just a bit flat. Then I've got my set herbs now that I sort of go to for my pick-me-ups or if I want something that's going to energise me or something that's going to relax me. I know if I go out there, feel them and smell them yeah, and get my hands in exactly. there. Exactly. This is a lot to do with just it. My mood, yeah. And even yeah. just seeing the worms in the soil, that's <laughs> just, it creates a bigger picture as well with worms and just seeing all that soil life makes you think, actually, it's there's so much else going on uh, under the surface, above the surface, not just whatever's going around in my head. So I think it was all of those things yeah. and even like manure delivery day i got way too excited for manure delivery day <laughs> it, was like, it was gold to me but i saw i still see it as gold and i was like yes i was just well excited when they'd tip it in and i'd have to spend the whole day sort of shoveling it around but yeah i thought it was the best thing ever 
I just want to say a quick hello to, uh, to Frank, Frank Slater, and uh, to Marie as well. And f- uh, who else? George Rickles is with us. Dorothy Dan. Hello, Dorothy. Paul Morley is with us. Gardner, oh, Paul Gardner. got there, did he? Well Paul done, Paul. has managed to get with us. Uh, Paul Rossiter as well. Hello, Paul. Good to have you with us. Right. You've actually gone on to become a, a, a mental a well-being practitioner and a, a mental health first aider as well. Yeah, so I got I got to the point where, in the end, my my allotment was massively helping me. And then alongside that, I was very fortunate in my old career that I was, had access to um, private psychotherapy and a psychiatrist who I spent a year with. So I always say that they helped me deal with all the trauma from the past, and the and the gardening helped me focus on the now and keep me going for the future and believe in myself and give me that confidence now. So between the two of them, I think I thought they were just incredible and like a dream team in terms of dealing with everything, but also keeping me going and giving me hope and just giving me something new and exciting to focus on. And so I came out of that whole process of being signed off and just thought, this has helped me massively. It's not available anywhere anywhere else to the scheme of where people get their actual own plot and have weekly support where they it's not just a communal shared space where they have their own space where they can grow a good amount of stuff. So I thought, okay, how can I do this? And basically came up with the idea, quit my old job, retrained, and I'm still training now every week I go to college um, one evening a week. But I've been, so I've been retraining ever since um, in horticultural therapy. And then I'm also now halfway through four years of counselling training. And as you said, did mental health first aid training, psychology, um, a whole mixture of different mental health training so that I could then set it up as a non-profit organisation. Even growing vegetables isn't successful all the time. Sometimes you do have failures. You, you, you could cope with those, could you? You know, when you perhaps grow something and, oh, look at that, it's, it's, it's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. How do, you, how do you cope with that? No, it's a brilliant question because it's equally as important or maybe even yes. more important than when, it, when you have success. I'm not good. I'll be honest with you. I am not good with criticism. Oh, I am not. <laughs> but do you know what? And I'm not good. I was never good if things went wrong. And I'm, I'm, no. I'm getting better now, I think, thanks to plants. But I was never good if things went wrong. It was horrendous. Um, whereas plants teach you, do you know what? If, it, with a, if a plant dies, don't get me wrong, it, it's, it's not ideal. But in the scheme of things, does it really matter? Like we can sow another seed and we can try again. And I think that's what plants taught me is actually is just try again. And sometimes with some plants, and you'll know, John, is we can change the conditions. So actually we can change the soil it's in or we can give it more water or less water or we can change the things and it might help it. And other times you can have been growing for 50 years or 10 years or whatever and some things just do not want to grow. And so it's about saying, you know what, try change the situation. If you can't change it, you know what, get rid and try focus on something else that does work, which works for every aspect of our life, not just gardening. But I think, as you say, the failures actually are just as important in terms of yeah. our well-being. Well you said you'd <laughs> lost um, all your confidence and you, you'd suffered really bad anxiety. And nobody would know that listening to you now and, and watching you. Uh, you seem so confident and, mm. and together. The thing is, is nobody knew it at the time either. It's one of those interesting ones, and, and it's such an important thing, is if it actually, you can't always tell. You can't tell. If someone could be smiling on the surface and appear really confident, but actually underneath, 
they could be cracking and everything is going totally wrong and it is just their way of surviving is is to put a smile and talk about it that being said I think I definitely have grown a lot more in confidence I suppose it's a combination of 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 obviously growing a lot in terms of myself but then also in terms of finding my passion I think that's definitely helped a lot I know that this is what I absolutely love I live and breathe it every single day and I love it yes running it as an organization can be incredibly stressful now and trying to source funding all the time but the actual delivery and working with people and helping them discover plants is what I absolutely love. So I think that helps because I get excited by it. Whereas I think in school generally in some cases and in other cases, you're sort of more told what to read or what to get into and what to sort of do. Mm. Whereas this is sort of my own choosing. It's my passion. So that definitely helps. But yeah, it's been a long road, but it's a good one. And that's, I think that's true, isn't it, John? The, the, the passion for gardening. Once you're doing something that you really enjoy, then all of those negative thoughts just kind of disappear. And you're outside, you're in the fresh air, you're getting exercise. Yes, I, I totally agree. I mean, I that is what I wanted to do. My, gra- my granddad was a head gardener. It skipped my dad um, and came to me. Um, my brother was an engineer. But it came to me, and I, that is all I wanted to do all my life. And that's what I've had a 50-year career in um, in guard, horticulture, all aspects of horticulture, which has been lovely, commercial growing, amateur growing as well. And it, um, it, it has. I feel more excited for Annabelle and people like Annabelle because I've done it all my life. And, she, you know, she's come into it and it's so wonderful that it's changed. I mean, I get I sometimes get a bit, oh, there, that's not done very well this year. But you, you look at it, there's another next year. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, your new catalogs come and you're looking through them and it inspires you. It's a new year. It's a new growing season. And I'll go down the garden. And today I've noticed that the perennials, the, the, the little new shoots are coming through. Nothing's nothing's going to stop them. You know they're 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 going they're going to come through and and just keep going. And um, it inspires you. It really does. Let's just talk about the um, the allotment then, because uh, describe for us what you're growing, the allotment, and how busy and uh, uh, what you're doing with what you're growing. So, in terms of my personal one, yeah, yes. So that, so that, in terms of that, so it was 20 when I had it. So I gave it up when I gave up my other, my old house so I could do, do the job I do now. So until then, yeah, it was 20 metres by seven and a half metres. Um, when I first got it, it was waist high with weeds. Um, so I spent a year just tackling one side of it, which was really heavy clay. That, and all I knew at the time through researching was to double dig it. So that's what I did. And learned very quickly that it's very hard work to double dig clay soil, but I was stubborn and I was going for it. But now I would recommend other different different ways of doing it personally. But I sort of tackled one half of it the first year, and within as quickly as possible, I tried to get something in the ground um, and growing. So it kept me going up there, and I wasn't just thinking I've just got to dig and dig and dig and dig before I can do anything. I was like, okay, just get something in the ground and then keep on. And I always say to people, if you get in a plot, always work your way backwards. So always just look at the little bit that you're working on and then gradually step work, work backwards instead of sort of facing the whole plot on everything you've got to work on. Because otherwise that can be incredibly overwhelming and daunting. 
but yeah, by year two, I had it fully up and running, which was incredible considering there was nothing growing in it before. And all of a sudden I had it full of one was potatoes because they're my favorite thing to grow. <laughs> Definitely without a doubt. Runner beans, sweet corn, so many th- and everything that I'd never grown before, tomatoes, pumpkins, and it was just for me, it was incredible. Like, it was magical just because, yeah, I'd never grown anything other than some stuff in containers. And all of a sudden, I had this big space full of amazing produce that I could say I'd I'd grown and I'd eat straight away or take home. But, yeah, so it took me about a year, probably a year to get the full, maybe year two, to get it up and running fully. Just because I took my time with the other half. I covered one side of it with weed membrane for a year just to let it die down. Because at the same time, I was juggling working full time in my old job and I was at uni in the evenings so that was the best way for me to do it was just to cover one side focus on one half for first year and then focus on both for the second year and it was a lot easier the second year that's for sure. Has it turned you into a cook? Do you do you look on vegetables that you've produced differently to perhaps things that you might go down to the garden centre uh, sorry the supermarket and buy? No, do you know, some people get into it and then they get really passionate about then cooking it all. Yes, yes. I, that's not, that hasn't happened to me. If I'm totally <laughs> honest, it's not. It's the growing it and then that is yeah. the best bit. That is what gets me. And then I then now I pass it to my partner and then he performs the magic in terms of cooking <laughs> it. Because, yeah, I think, like with potatoes, I'm not that fussed actually about eating potatoes unless it's maybe mashed potato, but I'm not that bothered. But it's the growing part of it yes, that I love yeah. about potatoes. You said um, that there are other methods now than the. From, I knew you, you were going to for, ask that. Yeah, yeah, for double digging. <laughs> um, for those of us who are getting a bit uh, a bit long in the tooth for double digging, what what are those methods? So I think one one of, one of the things I I still suggest now is literally is covering it over with reed membrane for a year and then digging it, but just don't just standard digging it, not double digging it, because it's that's a lot easier. Um, if it's really heavy clay, I found. Do you know what the other thing I do say to some people and recommend is, and it's not generally, it's not in terms of turning all the soil over, but is plant, but if you've got really heavy clay soil and it's like the idea of digging it, it sounds horrendous, is plant potatoes. And you're going to notice a thing with me, it always comes back to potatoes. But I think it's actually, is they're brilliant because they break up all the soil without you having to do anything as they grow. So I always just think, actually, yeah, plant those in. So you just, you just make a hole for the potato and then let them do the work for you. Then as you dig them all up when they're ready, they'll have broken the soil up quite a bit for you. So there's that. So you could just plant your whole like plot with potatoes year one and then that helps. It might even make the job easier for year two. Or there's no dig, which is um, it's, it's been around for many, many, many years, but it has definitely become more of a thing the last few years. Um, and then you don't have to dig at all. You just keep mulching it, um, and only time you've got to dig is really if you want to plant something or you're weeding, but there's no actual turning over of the soil or having to do that. Or just growing pots, and then you don't have to dig at all. <laughs> um, gardening. Uh, oh, this is um, Paul Morley. He says, uh, gardening can truly change lives. I work with young adults with learning difficulties and or autism, and the benefits of getting your hands in that soil and connecting them with plants is enormous. Uh, I see it a lot with the students I work with. And uh, lovely to listen. He says, I'm nipping in and out, but I will watch the whole thing later. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Paul. Right, let's just talk about um, some of the issues with, with growing veg then. Uh, for somebody like me, who's had a perhaps a little go at it and maybe grown a few toms, but we want to do a bit more. 
what what would you recommend? I was going to say, if you're starting out and going, I really want to do it this year, I would go small steps, exactly as the other per- as that person said, is, is break it down into small steps. Then also is just go for it. Like, if it doesn't work, doesn't really matter. Like, just try, just sow the seeds again and try again. And there's such an amazing community, as everyone will know on here and within my pages and stuff on Facebook, that everyone is willing to help each other. So if you are stuck, normally somebody will be able to help. Being said, I always say be mindful of many, many different opinions. I know when I first got my first allotment, I was in daily with people's opinions of what I should be doing with my plot, all very different. Um, And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to listen to them all, do my own thinking and come up with what I think will work for me and my lifestyle um, based on, because everyone's lifestyles are totally different in terms of how much time you've got, where you live, everything else. So I always think, take all the advice you can on board but then come up with what will work for you and, and give it a go. And if that doesn't work, try another bit of advice that you've been given and see if that works. But in terms of practicalities, I would say keep it simple with just the basic things you need. Don't worry about buying all anything fancy and techy or anything like that. Um, unless you really want to when you're flooding with cash or you don't know what to do with it. But I would say just keep it simple because then when you get more and more into it, if you want to buy more stuff, then you can, but they don't need it. And just go with what food you love to grow, I always think. So every year I grow things I love. And then also I set myself a challenge just to keep it extra exciting. So I always pick something new each year that I've never mm. grown as a challenge to see if I can give it a go or not. So, yeah, that's probably my my biggest sort of advice is go with what you like. Pick something different as a challenge if you've been growing before, but you really want to sort of up it to another level um, and challenge yourself and just keep it really, really simple. And remember that we're all here and want you to enjoy it and love it as much as we do. So we're going to help you as much as we can. If I was if I was going to grow something, I think just I'd go for beans. Get yourself six canes, make yourself a wigwam, put some runner beans in, watch the bees going on them. Broad beans are fantastic. They're one of the oldest crops uh, that's been grown. Thousands of years they've been grown, and they are absolutely fantastic. Smell gorgeous. Um, and the, even the dwarf French beans, you know, okay, you've got to bend down to pick them, but they keep going and going and going so long as you keep picking. So, I mean, if I was recommending something for people, it would be beans. And the the, yeah. the, the runner beans, particularly long-term, put them in in June and you'll still be picking in uh, because there's varieties now that you can pick. in Even in hot weather, they will set. And you, of course... Uh, Annabelle are going to recommend potatoes. <laughs> of course, I'm going to recommend potatoes because they grow. If you've got ground space, whether you're in pots, they grow. And then with runner beans, though, that's the, probably my second thing is like my is of in terms of what I love to grow because I grew them on the allotment and they're amazing because they grow really tall and they're just they're they're just and they're yummy and they just look amazing. But then also they provide like a bit of a screening. So if you want a bit more of a screened area on your plot, actually use that that structure as a screen. Um, but then also, like, obviously, I live on a narrowboat, as you can see. So all my plants that are my personal ones grow on the towpath, which is a shaded, really high hedged towpath. But now I always thought, and this is going to sound really silly, but I always thought my canes were about six foot tall. So the runner beans got to there and then they stopped. They didn't go any higher. They just stopped and then they started going back down again. But the hedgerow is a lot higher than that. 
it's a lot taller. And all the bit the beans just keep going up and up and up and up. And it is for and I think it's phenomenal. I'm just they literally will keep going into the sky as long as there is something that they can cling on to. They keep going and people walk past and go, how are you going to get them? And I'm like, I have no idea, but it's amazing. And I just love watching it. And whether the birds get them or I get them, it doesn't really matter for me, the top ones. It's just, they're brilliant. You're just saying that. Remind, last year, I grew runner beans and I grew them a little bit too close to an apple tree. And they climbed straight through the apple tree. And I was climbing this apple tree to pick my beans. <laughs> particularly towards the end of the crop. It was uh, incredible. They will just keep going. Yeah, as long as you can reach them, they'll keep you. Well, they'll go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> they will. <laughs> Speaking of questions, we did have a question, didn't we, from Roger a little bit earlier, Roger Smith, uh, John, um, yes. about uh, growing veg. When you're, when you're a little less mobile, it gets more difficult for him, he says. Um, and and he's thinking now that he might have to go to pots and and get the pots in a position where he can get mm. to them easily. I mean, what what would you say, Annabelle, for somebody who's who's finding mobility a, a bit of an issue for growing I think stuff? Mobility is it's it's tricky because also it's not obviously that's a physical thing, but it can help. It can impact us tremendously mentally. They're both so linked and I think my automatic is without obviously knowing the exact details in terms of location and what garden space they've got. Is, is pots, but also in terms of raised beds and things like that as well. Or can you put, so it's only, I don't have them raised here, but it's just an example of potentially that might help. So I have all of my pots are on wooden pallets and that just grazes them off the ground. But mm. you could put enough pallets down, which are a bit easier to get hold of, and then put the pots on top of that. So they're at the exact perfect type for where you need them so that you can work at them however you need to work at them, whether that's sitting down on a chair, whether that's in a wheelchair or by a table. But then also it's raised beds is another one that is brilliant for that. What I would say is I think is also if you are thinking you're limited to growing in containers, I think unfortunately our minds can become narrow, very narrow in terms of what we think we can grow in a container. I would say to challenge that because, as I said, I'm right now restricted unless I grow stuff at my therapy site, which is which is predominantly for clients, not for me. I am restricted to containers, and so many things that I that I was told you cannot grow in a container. It will never grow in a container. I have grown in a container. Believe you me, pretty mm. much everything will grow in a container. As long as the container is big enough, it will grow. So I would say just challenge that thought of will it will it or won't it grow, and just try it. I've even grown marrows in a container, like suggest, and I wouldn't always recommend it, but you know what? If that's the only space you've got, challenge those rules and just go for it. And do you know what? Think I really want to grow that. I'm going to see if it works, and if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, it doesn't. But do you know what? If it works, it's going to be even more of a success and a brilliant feeling if it does work than what it would be if you hadn't tried it. So yeah, yeah. and a lot of the and a lot of the seed companies now are producing you know, smaller varieties that will grow well in pots. Yeah. You know, you can get some good varieties now for small areas and pots. And, it, and of course, as Rod and myself were talking about last week, feeding. If you can feed your – because cucurbits, you know, the cucumbers and courgettes and things like that, they are big feeders. So if you can give, give them that little bit of feed as well now and then, they'll grow as big as anything. 
yeah. my runner beans are in a container like everything i grow on the towpath is in a is in a container and it's it, it's incredible what you can grow in a container once you just challenge challenge it i bet you get a lot of people walking down that towpath don't you oh, i get a Try. lot of people <laughs> even some people don't it was quite embarrassing, but also I'm quite proud of it. I'm not sure which one I should be. Is where people go, oh, is this a nursery? Is this a plant nursery? Like, can we buy plants? I've got too many here. The people start thinking that it's a plant nursery and not just my garden. But oh, do you know what? I fabulous. love it. Um, and you get a lot of people walking past and staring and 10 people taking photos or just asking questions. And that, I think, is brilliant because some people might think you can't grow it where we are. And actually... You can. So it's all about inspiring other people. And it makes their walk a bit different because everywhere else hasn't got plants. And then all of a sudden they get to ours and it's just full of veg and herbs and flowers. Have you had anybody just knock on the door and, hello, hello, I'm just admiring your plants and things like that one on the towpath? One or two times. Yeah. Or you get, I don't know if it's still the country, you do get the odd person that just puts their face right up to the window. <laughs> <laughs> they realize that actually we like it's somebody's home like you wouldn't walk up i always think you wouldn't walk up to someone's actual house if they lived in the no. house it's right up what were they driving put your face right up into their window but that, oh, yeah, did it a lot on a narrow boat which is quite funny and i think i probably did it before i had a boat to be honest or you're like <laughs> think it's interesting which it is but it's quite funny yeah. when you're inside and you live in it right um anything john that um you wanted to ask annabella other than what we've already discussed no, I don't think so. I think it's been a fantastic. Uh, it's been wonderful having you on, Annabelle. It really it has. has. Because I was has. inspired by you when when I first met you at uh, Beaver Flower Show. So it's been wonderful. Thank you. We'll have a quick chat about uh, jobs for the week. John, have you got anything in mind at all? I'm still putting edging on on the lawn. Oh, so. are you still doing the edging? I'm well, I've I've, that, yeah. I've I've actually just run over the lawn and um, brushed it and spiked it. We've had wow. a bit of rain, um, and I just want to get a little bit of air down into, you know, down to the roots. So I just brushed. It's, it really does it good. Just push. Uh, if you've got a stiff brush, just brush it backwards and forwards. And uh, as you say, you can sow those broad beans as well. Great time to sow broad beans now. In Put them in pots in a windowsill or something. When they come up, they can go out because they are hardy. Well, Annabelle, what can I say? It's been fascinating. We've uh, thoroughly enjoyed your company this week. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your time, John, as as ever. How do people, if they want to know more about life at number 27, um, give us give us all the essential details? Absolutely. So you can go on the main website, which is www.lifeatnumber27.com. Um, and that on there has got all the information around all the programs we deliver now. So that's the children's program. So we did have programs for children from 18 months upwards through to adults of all ages, both at the main therapy site, which is in Northamptonshire, and then also across schools in Oxfordshire. So we work particularly with children that are struggling with um, social and emotional needs at risk of exclusion, struggling with anxiety. And then also we do the adult side of stuff as well. So with one to ones and group therapy. So all the information is on there, as well as my general blog and everything else and all the events that I'm doing. So 
that's the main website. And then I'm also on Facebook, um, Instagram and Twitter, all as at life at number 27. So they're probably the best ways to get in touch or to ask any questions. So if you start getting into veg growing because of this and you get stuck at any point, feel free to just ping me a message and say, hi, and I will help you as much as I can as well. And I've also got a book for children that's available to buy on the website as well. So if you're interested in getting your children into it, then grab that as well. It's a bargain if I do say so myself. What's the book called? <laughs> so it's called You Can Grow Your Own Food, and it's a interactive book for children. So it teaches them everything they need to know about how to grow their own food. But for children, it came out mid-pandemic. And so it's on Amazon and Waterstones, W.S. Smith, all the main sort of retailers. Um, but it's an interactive book. Or I do say that's that's who it's targeted at in terms of officially. But I also mm. say it's just a really simple guide for anybody who wants to learn how to grow their own food, just made really simple with some added crosswords and colouring in and games to do at the same time. So if you want a bit of mindfulness and learning, simple, then it's it's there. And it's only seven ninety nine, I think, on the website, maybe. Brilliant. Well, uh, Annabelle, thank you so much. Uh, it's been wonderful to, to have you on as a guest this week on Loving Your Garden. All the best. Have a great week. And you, Thank John. You so much. All right. See you. Uh, good day. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. And a reminder if you'd like to join Loving Your Garden live, then it's very easy to find us. Look up Loving Your Garden Facebook group and look out for the live feed from six o'clock every Tuesday evening, UK time. Just scroll down the page until you find the live feed. If you don't find us, try refreshing the page. And while you're there, Join the group, be inspired by some amazing, generous and very friendly gardeners. Thanks for listening.